0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Super excited uh, that you guys are here today. I'm super excited for the series. Um, Hey, we're going to cover some serious ground today in God's Word. So let's lean in. Uh, Let's be expectant uh, that as we get into the Word of God that He will do work uh, on our hearts. Um, and, And to be honest with you guys, I'm surprised that I've made it a whole year without doing a series on this passage. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages uh, in all the Bible. Uh, and just to be upfront and real with you, this was actually the first passage of scripture that I ever memorized on my own. Now hey, I've memorized scripture before, but that was like in Awana to like get some candy or something or like uh, in Bible college to like get a grade. Uh, this was the first verse that I ever memorized because I wanted to hide God's word in my heart. So it holds a very special place to me. So uh, I made it a whole year without getting here, but we got three weeks on this, I'm super excited. Uh, let's go, Right, This is the verse, First 1 John, uh, verse 15 is what we're gonna start with. It says this, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Just a few quick thoughts. We're gonna be here for the next three weeks. So don't love this world or his stuff. Uh, John said this, I didn't say this, uh, that if you love the stuff of this world that you do not have the love of the Father in you. And John's not talking about uh, uh, the, a love for this planet or a love for nature. He's talking about a love for the moralities, like the, the standard of the world, the excess of the world. If you love the stuff of this world, there are serious questions uh, from John about your salvation. That's what he just said there. Not You do not have the love of the Father in you. Uh, and then it says, basically, all sin is gonna fall into these three categories. It says, uh, the lust of the flesh, or a craving for physical pleasure, the lust of the eyes, uh, that's, that's covetousness, that's desiring things that you don't have, and the pride of life, uh, pride in your possessions and, and your knowledge, that's, that's puffing yourself up. Those things are all sin, and it's not of God, uh, it is of this world, and this world will fade away and all that stuff will fade away with it. But those who please God will live uh, forever. That's what he said right there. Uh, To give you a little context on this book, the book of 1 John is written by uh, John. Uh, He's a disciple of Jesus. Uh, He is actually the only disciple that they believe that was not martyred. He died a uh, a natural death, like we would say. Uh, He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote first, second, third John, and then he also wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, when John is writing the passage we just read in 1 John, uh, many believe that he's a senior saint at this point. He's rocking a little more uh, salt than he is pepper in his hair, you know what I'm saying? Like He's, he's got some gray hairs. Uh, and so as, you, as we read this, we're gonna continue to read it over and over again, but I want you to imagine this coming to you from like a sweet grandpa. He's like saying, uh, I've been there, J- just listen to me, trust me, I got this. Because It's gonna come off uh, as a little harsh or maybe a little blunt. Uh, but I want you to think about it like a grandpa who's just speaking truth to you. He's not saying it to get down to you. He's saying it because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And so uh, now possibly the most important piece uh, of this, the context of this is who did John write that verse, those passages we just read, who did he write that to? Who was John uh, talking to in that moment? So here's, here's what it says in the, the few verses before us. So we're gonna start in verse 12. It says, I am writing to you who are God's children, Because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts And you have won your battle with the evil one. Uh, John is saying this word, that passage we just read a minute ago, it is for the young and the old. It is for uh, the the immature believer and the mature believer. It is for the baby believer and the senior saint. It's for everybody. And what is he telling us? He's telling us do not love the world. If you love the world, then you do not have the love of the Father in you. And when John says the world, remember, he's talking about those three areas of sin. He's talking about the cravings of the flesh, the cravings of the eyes, and the pride of life. And uh, this is one of my, my favorite things about this passage and uh, really just about the Bible is how it all intersects together. See, John, uh, he didn't just pull those three categories out of the air. We also see this in, in Genesis 3. I said we're gonna cover a lot of ground today, all right? you guys leaning in with me? We're gonna cover a lot of ground. Genesis 3, this is uh, verse six. This is the fall. Uh, this is how... Uh, Satan uh, tempted Eve. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Right? The the cravings of the eyes. Uh, That its fruit looked delicious. A, A craving for the flesh. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Right? The pride of life. She saw what it would make her become. So she took some of it and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it Two, you catch that, right? uh, The three things that, that Eve sees in the apple when, she, when the fall in the garden is she sees that it would, it looked good, uh, it would taste good, and it would make her like God. It would puff her up. See those same three areas that we saw in John. And then again, this isn't the only time that we see this. What I think is, is interesting is in, in Matthew 4, well, we've got Jesus. He just came out of fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, uh, and, and then he is tempted by the devil. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, and then he's tempted by the devil. And here's the three things that Satan tempts him with. During that time, the devil came and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He hadn't ate in 40 days. He's hungry, right? He, he's got a body like us. Uh, he's hungry. The, the, the cravings of the flesh uh, but Jesus told him, no the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God okay so he, 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 Jesus was like no get that out of here he's going to reject that and then we go again and he's, he's tempted again All right? then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and, and here's uh, what Satan tells him if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say that God will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your toe, you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds again. What does He say? The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Right? The first thing He hits him with the cravings of the flesh. Right, And then he hits him with the pride of life, pride. Hey, you're the son of God. Nothing bad's gonna happen to you. Nothing bad can happen to you. You jump off this, angels will come. You won't even stub your toe. You'll be fine. Jesus again responds with scripture. Last one here, it says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan tells him, he says, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus responds, get out of here, Satan. And he told them, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He, and Jesus got hit with those same three things. The physical desires to eat to sustain his body. Right? The things that he sees, the things that he might desire, and the pride of life. And Jesus, again, he rejects Satan. He, he avoids the temptation. He does not fall into it. In the same three categories, we see in First John fifteen through seventeen. We see in Genesis at the fall with Eve and the serpent, and we see again with Jesus and Satan here. See, the enemy hasn't changed at all. He uses those same three areas to tempt us, and what I want to—we're uh, going to lean in on one of these today. But but I want you to know that Satan corrupts what God creates. <clears throat> he corrupts what God creates. Let's use uh, the cravings of. Uh, like the flesh, right? the physical pleasure, all right? And just look at how this, uh, food is legitimate. We need food. Can I get an amen of anybody, all right? Hey, uh, food is good. We need food. But gluttony, all right, is a sin. Sex is good, created by God. Can I get, okay, a little hesitant on that one. You guys were a little hesitant on that one. Hey, sex is good, created by God. In the right context, it's God or anything. But immorality and sleeping around, that's actually sin, see, Satan corrupts what God creates. And all sin falls into one of these three categories of physical pleasure, the, the things that we see, a craving for the things we see, and pride in life. We see these categorizations all throughout Bible. And so what we're gonna do is every week in this series, look at one Bible character who kind of, uh, I don't wanna say if it's a good example because these are bad things, right? But they, they are an example of one of these different types of sins, right? They struggled in one of these areas. And so today what we're gonna look at is the story of Samson. And we're gonna, uh, Samson had some issues with physical pleasure. And we're gonna move quick here. Uh, but we're gonna go through basically the beginning, start there, and then go through uh, his whole story. And so we're gonna start right there at the beginning. He was uh, a special child. There's really two people in all of scripture who it says uh, before they were even born, God was working in them in a special way. There's John the Baptist. We've talked about him before. And then there's Samson. They were filled with the spirit before they were even born. It's unique. And when Samson's mom was pregnant, she actually had the angel of the Lord come and give her instructions on how she needed to live during her pregnancy, and then how to raise uh, Samson. And she was to live uh, like she had taken a Nazarite vow uh, during this pregnancy. And Samson, when he grew up, he was supposed to live as like he had taken one for his whole life, a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow means three things. Uh, No alcohol or or even grapes, because they might become fermented, all right? Uh, Avoiding uh, dead things. including a deceased family member. So this is like, you can't even say, if somebody dies, you can't see them. Like you gotta go say goodbye and then they can die and you can't ever see them again. And the last one is no cutting of your hair. Usually, uh, it was taken for like an allotted amount of time. I'm gonna do this for the next five years or something like that. They would have a specific amount of time, they would do it. Samson's mom, she did this while she was pregnant, uh, but Samson was supposed to hold this vow for life. (laughs) Samson is the last judge mentioned in the book of Judges. Did you know that the book of Judges just goes through the Judges, right? This Bible is super crazy like that, right? The book of Judges goes through Judges. He's the last one mentioned. A lot of these other Judges, uh, here's what they get. They get a block of dates, and they say how long they were Judges, but Samson, he gets a little bit more of a biographical view in Scripture. We hear a lot more detail about him, and I believe Samson's story is here for two reasons, and we're gonna go through these. It's, It's a warning, and it's a reminder. It's a warning to not give in to those physical desires that might overtake you, all right? There's some things that are good, but it can be excess. It can be not the way God, not the way God, not the way God wired us. And it's a reminder that even in your darkest moment, God can use you, okay? So uh, Samson has this problem. He struggles with his, his physical flesh, the, the cravings of the body. And we first see this pop its head in Judges 14. Uh, it's it, here in verse one. It says, one day Samson was in Timnah. One of the Philistine women caught his eye. <clears throat> All right, a little, gonna pause there, give you a little bit of uh, something to explain here. Uh, the Philistines are enemies of Israel, they're enemies of Judah. Uh, this is who, um, this is the enemy camp. <clears throat> Samson sees this lady, uh, and she caught his eye. She's the enemy, right? And, and he's uh, so enamored with this woman. Uh, that he actually goes home and he has some stuff that he wants to tell mom and dad. It says, when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman, woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. Things have changed a little bit, so yeah, uh, not a good idea if you're going to try that uh, today. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 3, his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Next one. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? I think this is interesting because um, Samson's like, go get her for me, she looks good to me. Uh, And he picks a lady that his parents do not approve of, but he is persistent and uh, his parents eventually give in. Samson told his father, "Go get her for me. She looks good to me." Um, I won't want too many there. Hey, so here's what happens. He doesn't give up. He 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 makes his parents go and get her. Side note: Hey, uh, if we got any students in here, when your parents tell you no, or they want to offer you some instruction, uh, it's because they've been there and they know a little more than you. Right? Samson didn't listen. This is not what we're talking about today. But I promise you, listening to your parents will bring you blessings. Uh, I'm getting more amens here than any other time. Hey. your parents know better, I promise. They are doing everything they can to set you up for success. They're not trying to hold you back. Listen to your parents. Right. right, I'll get off that soapbox for a second. Um, so Samson, he's heading down to Timna with his parents to make this uh, Philistine woman his wife. Uh, on their way down there, it says that Samson is attacked uh, by a young lion, uh, and the Holy Spirit supernaturally comes upon Samson, and it says he defeats the lion immediately uh, it says, as if he were a young goat. I don't, know, I don't know if I could take down a young goat, but apparently in this day and age, a young goat's like nothing. So it says, he took down this lion like it was a young goat. And then he doesn't even bother to tell his parents about it. He doesn't want to worry mom that a lion just attacked him, right? He's being nice. Uh, they get to Timnah. They meet the woman. Uh, we don't even have her name. It just says the woman with whom he was pleased. Uh, and they make arrangements for the marriage. And basically, uh, they set a date and then they go back home, Samson and his parents. Uh, Here we go in verse eight. And it says, later when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, uh, he took off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. Remember that lion that he destroyed? And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. Anybody getting hungry? All right, let's keep going here. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. Uh, He also gave some to his father and mother and they ate it, but he didn't tell them, where where are you taking the honey from? The carcass of the lion. Um, first time you hear that, you're sitting there thinking, that is nasty. Uh, and you are right, that is nasty. Uh, I want to focus on a different part. Uh, it says, he turned off the path to look for the carcass. Uh, he didn't just run into this situation. Uh, he actually left where he was headed, and he went out of his way to look for it. Uh, Not only did he go looking for it, he broke his Nazarite vow. Remember, three things. No alcohol, don't touch dead things, uh, and don't cut your hair. He touched a dead animal. And it was not an accident. He did it because he wanted some honey. He wanted something sweet. He doesn't tell anybody else about it. Uh, What you do in private will eventually affect how how you are viewed in public. It might stay private for a while, but eventually it's going to come out. Uh, They get to Timnah. Because right, remember they set the date. They're basically coming back. They find the honey on the way back, uh, and there is a wedding celebration that lasts for about seven days. That's like a normal cultural custom at this time. So at this party, uh, Samson is talking to uh, like the, the the bridal party there, and he's like, "I got a riddle for you. If you can solve this riddle, I'll give you thirty fine linen robes and some festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, you got to give me thirty fine linen robes and festive clothing." And they're like, "Bet." taking you up on this. There's 30 of us, uh, that's why he said 30, he's talking about 30 guys, uh, and there's only one of him. But 30 of us are smarter than him. And so they take Samson up on his riddle. His riddle is this, uh, this is the next, next verse here, I think. So he said, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later they were still trying to figure it out. That's, that's Samson's riddle there. Right, he's talking about the lion and the honey uh, from the bees inside of it. For three days, these Philistines are trying to figure out the riddle, and they can't figure it out. So what they do, right, if they can't figure it out the right way, all right, which that seems like an impossible riddle if you have no idea that he killed a lion and there's honey there. Uh, if you can't figure it out, they go to try to find another way. It talks about this in verse 14. They go to Samson's wife, and they say, entice, we still don't know her name other than the woman whom he was pleased with, entice your husband to explain the riddle to us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? She's fearful. Uh, They're going to take down my family. They're going to take down our our home. So here's what she does. (coughs) Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Sam's like, I haven't even given the answer to my father or my mother. Why should I tell you? Why should I tell you? Uh, she continues. She So she cried whenever she was with him and she kept it up for the rest of the celebration. This is the wedding party. She That's day three. She cries all the way. Uh, and at last, on the seventh day of the celebration, he told her the answer because he was because she was tormenting him with her nagging. She was persistent, and she got what she wanted. Uh, Then she explained the riddle to the young men. Uh, So the seventh day gets there. uh, She wore him down. He tells the riddle to them. uh, And then so, remember, he made a bet, though. He owes them 30 fine linen uh, robes and some festive clothing. And so here's, here's Samson's response to them figuring out the riddle. If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. (laughs) I'm quoting scripture here, sorry, so please don't put words in my mouth. Um, Gentlemen, do not refer to your wife as a heifer. Never a good idea. Never. Uh, So Samson, he has to make good on this bet, though. He has to get 30 robes and some festive clothing. Um, And so he does what any of us would do. He goes to the next town over. He kills 30 Philistines and gives their clothes to the Philistine man that were at the wedding. Yikes, right? Uh, This is a man of God. That's who we're looking at today, right? He went over there killed 30 people and brought it back. Uh, Samson is so mad about this that she betrayed his trust that he actually leaves his wife. He goes back home to live with his father and mother. Like, they do not do married people things. He basically abandons her. And so we we hop back into it in Judges 15, and we see Samson's kind of changed his mind a little bit. (coughs) Later on during the wheat harvest... Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. Um, We'll unpack that in just a second. We're gonna come back, I promise, okay? All right, verse two. I truly thought you must have hated her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. There's a lot to unpack here, okay? Uh, Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I am going to do to you, Philistine." He's saying, don't blame me this time. Last time I went and did that because uh, she told my secret. This time you guys are in trouble. You guys are in trouble. You gave away my wife. Uh, Samson, he's really trying to have his cake and to eat it too. Remember, he is the one who stormed off after a wedding and then shows up uh, months later saying, here's a goat. I'd like to be with my wife. And now his wife is married to his best man. Um, that's got to be a weird relationship. Uh, Samson doesn't come to restore the relationship with his wife or to take her on a date. He came strictly for business. Uh, to put this into to modern language, uh, he was saying, I'm sorry, honey. Here's some flowers. Now let's go have sex. Not exactly the picture of a godly man. His desire for physical pleasure is the driving force for his actions. He's letting those cravings control him. And what we're going to see here is that when he doesn't get what he wants, he's going to get angry. Remember, he finishes the conversation by saying, I cannot be blamed for what I'm about to do to you, to you Philistines. So here's what he does. Um, You can go through this, Judges 14 through 16, if you want to get into the nitty-gritty on this. He goes and gets 300 foxes. He ties them together at their tails. He attaches a torch like kind of hanging off of their tails and then sets them out into the Philistine fields, and these foxes, these 150 pairs of foxes are running around crazy, burning up the field. He ruins their harvest, um, and they are completely upset, right? Like, the Philistines are like, you just ruined everything. Uh, You literally burned it all down. And Samson's like, I'm going back home. Like, he just, he literally just goes back home. And shortly after he gets there, uh, 3,000 men of Judah that's where he's at, he's, he's in Judah. Uh, they come, that's his people, and they say, hey, uh, we have to give you back over to the Philistines so that they don't destroy us. Like, they are so mad they're gonna come for us, uh, but we don't want them to come for us, so we're just gonna give them uh, you. Sound like a good deal? And Samson asks, him, hey, are you guys gonna kill me? And they're like, no, we're just here to tie you up and to hand you over to the Philistines. Like, we don't want anything to do with this. They're, we're basically gonna extradite you over to the Philistines. And Sam's like, okay, cool." So Samson, let, he lets them bind him up and he lets them hand him over. As soon as he gets to the Philistines, all right, uh, he busts out like he wasn't even tied uh, and he picks up a donkey's jawbone and it says he kills a thousand Philistines. That's right, pretty insane, right? It seems like something from a, a superhero movie or the Avengers, uh, uh, not only one man defeating a thousand, but Samson, he says he picks up a jawbone of a donkey to do this. Again, he is violating the vow that he's taken. He's forgetting where his strength comes from. He's forgetting it. Uh, Here in in verse 20 in chapter 15, uh, I just want you to put this in your back pocket. We're going to come back here. Uh, It says Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. I want you to remember that. Uh, Remember that nugget for later. He judged Israel for 20 years. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Man of the Lord, all right? uh, He has an issue with the cravings of his flesh. He cannot stop himself when it comes to physical pleasure, whether that's sleeping around, eating honey from a dead animal, or, or going to a prostitute. He's going to please himself regardless of the consequence, and it's going to cost him. Uh, I bet you've heard of this next person. If you've heard of Samson before, you've probably heard of this one in verse four. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Valley of Sork. Uh, if you've heard of Samson, there's a good chance you've probably heard of Delilah. He's, he's in love with Delilah. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what, he, what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tie, tied up securely. Then each one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. (coughs) Uh, So Delilah, she goes to work finding out where Samson's strength comes from. And so she's just trying to figure it out. The first time, uh, he tells her, if you were to tie me up with new uh, bow strings, I'd be as weak as anybody else. And the first time, she actually has some Philistines ready to come and to try and get him. Uh, When they come in, he breaks the rope. It says like it's a thread. Like nothing. Uh, she gets upset. Why would you lie to me? He says, okay, okay. It's not bowstrings, but if it was, if it was brand new rope, it would make me just like anybody else. Uh, she tied him up. She doesn't have the Philistines ready this time. She just like, as mess with him, and says, the Philistines are here. Guess what? He just busts out like it's nothing. She, again, goes on a tirade how if you really loved me, you would tell me the secret. He goes, okay. If you were to weave my hair into your loom, I'd be like a normal man. She does it. Then she yells, Samson, they're here to get you. He busts out again like it's nothing. Uh, In in verse uh, 15, we start to get somewhere. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. And you still haven't told me what made you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was finally sick to death of it. Samson's been playing with fire, and now he's going to get burnt. Here's what happens in verse 17. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I decided to God as a Nazarite, I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from my birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I'd become as weak as anyone else. Delilah's gonna do what she's been doing this whole time. She sets him up with the Philistines. Uh, She lulls Samson to sleep. She has his hair cut. And then the Philistines bind him up. Here's what happens in verse 20 when that goes down. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. That verse hits me. This is someone who had been with God, and God had been with him in a special way since before he was born, his entire life. And he's been so busy doing things his way, following the the cravings of his flesh, he doesn't even realize God's not there. He didn't realize the source of his strength was gone. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains, and forced to grind grain in the prison, they got him. Uh, they took; she, she shaved his head, and that's the source of his strength is from God. That's a symbol of it. And and they get him; they they, they take his eyes out, and then they hold a big festival. Uh, they've captured him. He's basically grinding grain like he's some sort of farm animal, and they are celebrating. They, they it's not just a picture of them defeating Samson; it's they think that their false gods have given them victory over Samson and Samson's God. My favorite verse in all this is verse 22, right after this. But before long, his hair began to grow back. His hair. The symbol of strength that God had given him, it began to grow back. The Philistines, they, they bring Samson out during their festival to, to amuse them, to entertain them. Like he's, he's a puppet to them. They, they've conquered him. And Samson has a young servant who's, who's leading him around because he can't see. He has no eyes. And he asks the servant, he says, uh, it, it, could you make me rest against the pillars of the palace? Never have a break? Can I lean up against the pillars? And then Samson, he prays this incredible prayer, this incredible prayer. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hand on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing them against, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers And all the people, he killed more people when he died than he did during his entire lifetime. Samson struggled with the cravings of his flesh. He looked at women and thought about how they could serve his needs. And that sin not only cost him his eyes, it cost him his life. There is always a price to be paid for sin. If you struggle with the cravings of your flesh, if you struggle with uh, the desires of your flesh to, to control your sexual desires or your physical cravings, there's a price that comes with that. But I want you to know that those, those cravings, those desires, that lust is not from the Father. It's not from Him. It's from this world. And one day, this world will fade away. But those who do what pleases God will live Forever. Oftentimes, uh, these areas, they're, they're kept in the dark because there is some, some shame associated uh, with, with this physical sin or sexual sin. Uh, if you knew Samson before today, you probably knew two things. You knew he was strong, uh, and you knew he was tricked by Delilah. That's usually what people pick up are the two big things no one remembers that he judged for 20 years. For 20, He had 20 years of faithfulness, 20 years of staying the course. What do we remember? The shortcomings. There is a shame associated with sexual sin, with the cravings of the flesh. Not many remember that he, he had 20 years of doing the job, sticking to it. We all remember the fall. Samson was filled with the Spirit of the Lord and did supernatural physical feats. And yet his same body that God did great things through, Samson used to sin, to break vows, to, to literally sleep with the enemy and prostitutes. And even in all of that mess, in the midst of all of his unfaithfulness, how does God respond? Does he leave him to his vices and say, Samson, you're too far gone. I can't, I can't redeem this. No. What does he say? It says, the hair on his head began to grow. Remember, the hair was Samson's symbol of his strength, that God was with him. Samson, at his lowest moment, he's captured, he's chained up with all these Philistines. The hair on his head began to grow. God didn't abandon him. God was with him. God used that moment to do more through Samson than he had ever done before. The same God who's with Samson is with you. And if all sin falls into one of these categories, it seems uh, to reason that we'd all have an inclination towards one of these, to to, to pride, the lust of the eyes, the cravings of the things we see, the, the physical pleasures. And I don't know your story, but if you struggle with fighting your flesh the desires that your body has, God does not want to shame you. He doesn't want to put you down. He wants you to remember that he is with you. You are not alone that on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin and he defeated death once and for all. We no longer have to worry about our standing with God because through Jesus, we have right standing. He did that because he wants to spend eternity with you, because he loves you. Don't let shame keep you from coming to God. He has seen the absolute worst parts of me and you and he loves us still. There is nothing you can do to outrun the love of God. He is with you. He will never leave you. Never.